This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. This podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. That's right. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. And if you have not been on there yet, make sure you get on to BeatSource.com and go explore all of our constantly updated, curated playlists for DJs. We have got every genre. We've got acapellas, instrumentals, so much good stuff on there. And BeatSource Link has just launched. Go check out Mojax's uh, video to explain all of it, but you can DJ off the cloud now. You can stream and DJ. You can have your playlist shared, hardware, software. There's so many amazing uses for it. So go check out BeatSource.com and explore BeatSource links some more, and you will be happy. Okay, trust me. Uh, and thank you to all the listeners, the beat sorcerers, everybody that has been sticking with me since the beginning or has just gotten on the train now. Thank you guys. I get a lot of really cool feedback on my Instagram at DJ Spider. And um, I appreciate it. You guys tell me what you like, what you don't like, all types of stuff. I love communicating with you guys. Please still continue to send me your mixes, edits, whatever topics you want to talk about. I love it. And thank you guys for rocking with me and rocking with Beat Source. Um, and we're going to continue on and keep getting bigger and better. We got so many cool guests booked, uh, for the upcoming shows. So I can't wait to share it with you guys. Um, and also we've been going through all these crazy times with COVID and especially black lives matter and the movement going on. So hit the link in my bio on my Instagram for a lot of resources to help out on that front. And today, the guest we've got on, I'm super excited to have on a DJ and a booking agency owner whose experience, his musical knowledge, and his skill is impeccable. He knows his shit, okay, especially when it comes to dancehall, but all music, he really knows what's up, and he's a great dude. He's originally from New Jersey on the East Coast. He had a big role in the dancehall reggae scene and just all-around DJ scene. Um, in New York and on the East Coast um, and he was doing all that all while doing these crazy odd jobs you know among it was managing a pizza shop and one night he gets this fateful phone call uh, that asks him to come to Las Vegas the next day and basically makes the decision to stop managing the pizza shop and move to Vegas from Brooklyn and become a full-time DJ and his life has changed. So we explore all of that on the episode today. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. We discuss his path um, to that he went on to create the company that he now owns and runs, Mac Agency. Um, and we talk about where DJ bookings are today in Las Vegas. Um, we talk about doing digital streaming DJ gigs, which was crazy interesting to me. He just did it successfully this weekend. So we uh, talk about how that went and what they put into it. And we talk about where everything might be going in Vegas and beyond. Um, so I'm super happy to have on the show today someone that is a great DJ, like I said, a great businessman and just an all around great person. Please give it up for Eddie McDonald, a.k.a. Eddie Mac. Let's go. What up, what up? Yo, Eddie, so happy to finally have you on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Spider. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Just um, I'm out here in LA. I know you're in Vegas doing the quarantine, third month of quarantine or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) 
Oh, not yeah. not so quarantined anymore, but yeah. you know, the end Semi-quarantined, of quarantined, yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm in still for the most part, but um yeah. yeah, how about you? Have you been have you gone to any casinos or anything? Yeah, I've uh I've been out to uh Bellagio a couple of times. We started uh getting some stuff going over there again. Um nice. and, uh yeah, it's 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 bittersweet. It's good to have places start showing signs of life again, but it's kind of it takes a minute to get used to this new energy, right? Uh, so it's kind of weird, but uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's getting better, right? Right. And we'll, yeah. we'll get back to normal. Yeah, I saw Shecky Shecky Green tweeting about it and just saying that, you know, I guess the mask thing is people are figuring it out. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, and he nailed it with that with that tweet. By the way, he he actually mentioned that at our office. He he said, you know, I'm just waiting. He's like, I've been working on this tweet to kind of really kind of encompass and everything that's going on and all my feelings and and then he let it out the other day and he, he really uh he nailed it it was it was really good um, i know i mean ho- hopefully people will catch on and realize that this is still a real thing if they want to get back to real life they just have to take like some precautions you know yeah well i mean listen pe- people you know there was a, a a good amount of people fighting and protesting for for the reopening of America or the reopening of Vegas. And I get it, but unfortunately those are also seem to be like the same people that were kind of anti-masks. So it's like, listen, we'll open, but you got to do this. And yeah. if you can't do that, then, you know, you might be, you know, uh, the, sa- the same people that were, you know, screaming reopen Vegas might also be the reason why, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We get a spike if that happens. Uh, you know, I still don't know. Three, three and a half months into this, I still don't even know what to think. You know, I know. Yeah, like the terminology they use is like, it's it's so, they take it so far. They're like, "There's a spike. It's soaring." They're, I'm like, "Yo, just can't you? Is it never not spiking or soaring? Like, it just be like, it's actually just a little wave right here on this one. You know, yeah. they, it's they're always trying to just make it so crazy. I'm like, I don't know what to believe." Yeah, I just I just kind of unplugged from the whole thing. I know something's going on. I know people got, have gotten and are getting sick and stuff like that. But I I can't watch the news. I can't do any of that shit. Yeah, I just it just seems like it's going to keep everybody in this constant state of paranoia. And you know, I'm just doing what I can and to be responsible. And it's not a matter of what you think anymore and what you believe. Right. It's more a matter of public opinion and your perception as a non-mask wearer. Uh, the way you're perceived by mask wear, it's almost like a litmus test for being right. considerate and being yeah. courteous. Yes. So it's more about that. And it's like, you know, um, listen, meet us in the middle, meet, meet, meet the economy in the middle. If they start opening stuff, the only trade off is you got to wear a piece of cloth over your, uh, over your face. And, but to touch on what Shecky was saying, it's like, this isn't the experience that, we've known and grown to expect from casino life and from nightclubs or lounges and stuff to wear these masks. It's not the same experience. It's weird, but, um, but it's, it's a necessary thing, you know? So, right. It's like, we want to get back to it as quickly as anybody. We're the DJs. We're the final frontier of getting back to it. So it's like, yeah, I get it. You guys don't want to wear the mask or whatever's going on with your brain around this. But if that's the thing you got to do to get us back and start to be safe, just play, you know, play by the rules. We're all out here together. So, 
Yeah, you know what? I, I, I've been using the comparison. Um, when uh, those, Remember when those Michael Jackson documentaries came out? They were really kind of... Yeah. Kind of incriminating and kind of, but also very awkward. And it wasn't like public opinion of Michael Jackson at that time was not very high. Yeah. So I was one of the guys as a, as a guy that owns an agency, you know, I was getting some info from some of the places that I was booking and, and, and I was even, I even thought it was the right move to kind of blast out an email to the DJs and say, Hey guys, let's ease off the Michael for now. I said, I'm not saying I think he's guilty. I'm not saying I think he's innocent. It's not a matter of what we think. It's a matter of public opinion, and it's just kind of awkward right now. And yeah. I feel the same way about the mess. It's not a matter of what you think and what you believe. It's just it seems like it's the right thing to do to be courteous to others. Exactly. I think that's – yeah, that's the thing people are not grasping. It's like, they're like, they told us not to use it. It doesn't affect me. I'm not getting sick. I don't care. It's like, yo, it's a courteous thing. We're just doing a nice thing. You know what I mean? I don't want to see your balls. You're covering them up with your pants. So do the same thing with the face. You know what I mean? too. I like that better than Michael Jackson would. <laughs> it's like, yo, I mean, I wouldn't – the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Just, just go off of this. Like, people are so just – Get into a selfish mode, and the whole and world obviously even, is crazy. It keeps right us even more divided, man. It's, a, yeah. it's another layer of division, right? Not just the left and the right, or the conspiracy theorists versus the people that just kind of, you know, get their news from you know main you know mainstream news outlets and stuff right. like that. It's just another layer of division: the masked versus the unmasked, and what it right. represents for each right. party. You know, so it's, it's crazy. You know. I know, even in Black Lives Matters and not, and like, oh, protesters, they're going to wear masks. These people are not. Like, why? What does that have to do with anything, you know? My head's been, like, you know, spinning for months, man. It's just, like, enough, man. Just, you know. Yeah. I guess change is uncomfortable in on all the layers that are happening right now, you know? Right. And within the context of COVID, everyone wants to go back to normal. And what is normal? There is no normal. So let's just help each other evolve and grow together you know yeah dude like i mean one, one quick story is like my girlfriend and i were at uh i think it was like a bond some some supermarket out here yeah and you know and down every cashier lane you have like the dots to mark social distancing spaces right and which we were doing and the cashier who was unmasked is yelling at my girlfriend like you have to go farther back no it's too close it's too close we're like we're like a dot and a half back at this point and she's yelling i said you're not even wearing a mask, hon. I said, and you want us to go like what, 25 feet back? And we like flipped out and we like, it was insane. I'm like, how about, how about you put a mask on? Yeah. And you can bitch at us if you think we're too, too close, but you're not even wearing a mask. That's saying basically fuck you and fuck your girlfriend. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's, you know, but long story short, it's nice to see Vegas showing some signs of life. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see what the future of our industry will be, and it will be there. And and my optimism is still as high as it was several months ago, man. Good, I like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, because I know there's a lot of rumor mill type things where DJs are like, nothing's coming back till the year 2030. You know, it's like the craziest rumors that no one could ever know what's happening. In the same way that we ain't coming back. (laughs) Yeah, your club's not coming back till 2022. But yeah, it's like relax, bro. Don't don't make these blanket statements like you're like right. You know. Yeah, so I mean, right. It, but but it is interesting to see. I didn't know if 
I didn't know if casinos would be back by this time. And then to even see DJs promoting, like I see some DJs last week, like, yo, I'll be here and here Friday, Saturday in Vegas. I'm like, wow, that's surprising. You know, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, uh, but you know, like I said, it's, it's nice. And you, you know, what I can see from like some of the things that we've been booking, you know, um, masks are kind of are required, you know, even though the, you know, the, the DJs have to uh, abide by the same rules of the property as the, um, as the uh, staff and employees do. Okay. So, so when they book a DJ, they're like, listen, the DJ has to wear a mask the whole time, no matter what. That's it. That's it. If you want to work, you got to wear the mask. If you're not down to wear the mask, you can't work. Right. And it's not a lot of places. It's just one, one place that we're doing actual physical DJs in the venue. Uh, it's a scaled down program. Um, but, Right. Uh, actually, two. We just started doing a second place, but it's not like one of our steady things. We just we do some work with them from time to time, and uh, um, yeah, I Got just it. didn't get any. Uh, I, I didn't get any word on on that other on the second place uh, as to whether or not masks were mandatory or not. So. Well, I, yeah, and I know they're considering making it mandatory for everybody, right? Even yeah. the guests. Cal, you guys have that in Cali now, right, Gavin Newsom? Yeah, uh, but maybe. we don't have casinos. It's such a different vibe out here that right. like. You know, you, you have stores and this and that. But, yeah, you're supposed to wear it everywhere all the time. Yeah. And, I mean, people do. It's 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 grown. I remember in the beginning it was the same kind of thing. Like, you're not wearing it. You're wearing it. And now it seems like everyone's wearing it, even on hikes and stuff. You know, I mean, when you're not around people, it's like, yo, you could probably pull it down. Yeah, but. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. It's like if you're in the fucking car alone, driving alone, it's like, I think you're okay. Right, exactly. Okay. You can take I, I mean, maybe people are who knows Uber del- delivered food, oh. but yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah, who knows? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then you were saying for other, we talked earlier. You were saying that this weekend you had your first digital DJ gig for somebody. Like you had booked someone and they DJed remotely to the club. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, occupancy uh, restrictions and stuff based on whether or not you have live entertainment at the venue. Okay. You're going to be capped at a different amount with live entertainment as than you would be with without live entertainment. Yeah. Some, you know, if you have live entertainment, you're capped at 50 people. Um, but I think if you serve food, you can, and you have live entertainment, you could be up to 50% your, your legal occupancy. Um, okay. But then if you don't have live entertainment, you can do you can just do fifty percent of of your normal legal occupancy. So I said, you know, so so it's just like, you know, well, why don't we just have a live DJ spin off property? Yeah, and put them up on some screens and you know and um, engage the crowd a little more. I think it's you know, I just sounded like a good idea, and the, and the people that I pitched it to um, were very receptive to it, and we tried it. Um, this past weekend on Friday and Saturday, and it was a huge hit. We had, you know, guests making requests to the DJs and giving us chat, giving them shout outs, and they were blown away by the this interaction by a DJ that's not even at the at the resort. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it was really, really cool, really cool. That is, and so dope. and they got paid. So that's that's the big thing, you know. We were doing we were doing <laughs> yes. these Wednesday, Wednesday streams with MGM when it was just basically listen. Nobody knew what the heck 
to do at the time. I, you know, and I have a long relationship with those folks over there and, you know, and, and the places that I've been involved with, I, re I, I really truly love them and I miss them. And I said, let's keep the, let's keep the brands going and let's keep the vibe going and let everybody know like we're still here, even though we're on a little bit of a hiatus. And those went over super successfully. We did, we just uh, did our last one uh, about two or three weeks ago. We went about two, eight or nine weeks, I think. Wow. And, uh, it was really good. And now this is the next step until places are ready to have, you know, live DJs on, on site again. Um, so that's so cool. cool. What are some of the venues or can you say the names of them or, yeah, well um, we did, we, uh, you know what? Yeah. I mean, we, we did Lily, uh, at Bellagio. Okay. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, that's about it. But as far as the stuff we were showcasing when we were doing the live stream, the Wednesday spin, you know, we were showcasing Mama Rabbit on the record, Best Friend, Juniper, right. Alibi, Lily, um, Nomad Bar, and um, and now with these live these live mixes, so far we've just done Lily, but uh, we're hoping to uh, roll it out to um, Alibi at Aria when they reopen on July 1st. We got uh, Aria and nice. Mandalay Bay will be open in July 1st. That's great. And yeah, that's crazy that the, um, if they're cool with it, technically the DJ could be in New York and DJing in Vegas, right? I mean, they don't have to be. Sure here. thing. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's there's, no, there's no restrictions, you know? Right. And, you know, you know, with with the live streaming stuff, just because I mean, I always like it to be kind of consistent. That's why like even with the, when we were doing the, the Wednesday spin streams, we yeah. did most of them from the office. But we also did some stuff out of L.A. and out of Philly. So we did like uh, DJ Zoe and Bella Fiasco out of L.A. We did Mel Starr, uh, who was in Charlotte at the time. We did Active. And, you know, that gets a little tricky because you can't manage it as closely with if any tech issues may arise, you know, but luckily for the most part, they all went over with, off without a hitch. But this, what we're doing now with the live stuff, you know, to the venues, way easier to execute if we wanted to do guys, um, you know, DJs that are out of the market, you know? Right. And then how, like technically, how did you even do it? Or is it you have some special sauce? Or can you t say it's like, not, how? I, I'm not, I'm, listen, I, I know I wasn't the first to, to have this idea. There were, you know, at all i mean it's just you know but i right. think the first to execute it on the strip i think there's uh i think uh some guys downtown are, are starting to roll it out too but i think we definitely added a cool layer uh we we basically set up a qr code and i had uh, a printer print out some little cards that little inserts that we put into the uh put at the tables oh. and basically said scan this qr code to send your dj uh your request or shout out and we'll try our best to get to it and then I log on from my end and the DJ is able to monitor on his device and you just start seeing, you know, the requests coming in and bachelorette party shout outs. And, you know, it was, and they thought it was a joke. Some of the guests were like, this is bullshit. And then they'd hear their shout out like five minutes later, if that, and they're like, this is insane. It's so yeah, cool. It's almost even crazier that it's coming from the DJ that's on all the screens than a real person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. So it's uh, you know it's just it's just like with everything. It's just like with DJing, you know. Yeah, a lot of us are going to play a lot of the same songs, but how do we deliver it different than everybody else? That's kind of true to your brand or to your style. And right. then, as we segued into the live streams, 
anybody has access to to stream live but how are you going to present it and polish it i mean you look at what like four colors act does i mean how creative can you get with it to stand out from everybody else that's doing it because everybody was doing it exactly like four color zach i mean his live live streams are amazing and then he'll do these pre-recorded ones that he'll play that are just yeah they're wild man i mean he takes the the visuals and the effects and the editing everything is all combined together it just shows how creative a dj's mind can be if they're at you know and his mind of course i mean he's a genius with that so sure um yeah it's so true and honestly the sky's the limit i mean the amount of live streams i tune into on twitch now and i see oh they're doing that or they have that or is that a real plant or is that an overlay or you know what's happening Uh, i love it man yeah i love it even you know from the live streams and now with with these things now i mean getting to learn like obs it's just created a whole new like lane right for our industry and then Not with the club, the DJs, but even like the, the the marketing directors for all these night nightlife brands and and venues and stuff like that, it's it's freaking cool. Yeah, exactly. Like you can really grow the brand if you're going to have it on all the screens. You can put the logo of the club or whatever you want. You know, to be yeah. doing different things on the screen. Uh, and what the QR code would just scan and go to their direct messages or something, or it would uh, scan. Uh, b- bring them to uh, an interface with the platform that they're using uh, oh. called Your Venue. Oh, okay. And um, and then I would be logged on on my side, and then it would just have kind of all the fields, song, title. But you could type anything. You could type a, a shout-out into the song title. It's just a, basically a messenger. Right. And, you know, I mean, listen – when you give people that that option to now have this direct line to the dj you know <laughs> yeah. there's gonna be assholes there are, there always are but it's all good it's all good it was, it was still very cool and um what, what i i was joking about too is like somebody says you know makes a little you know douchebag remark or something like that there's a deny button oh they won't they won't see it on their end but it still feels very good on my end it's like my gavel i'm like denied I am not playing Doja Cat. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's really cool. But you, you know, that's that's that extra layer. So yeah, it's not it's it's not rocket science to like say, well, why don't we just have a DJ play on our screens live from a different location? You know, like I said, I wasn't the first one to think of that. But it's like, how can you take that concept and add these cool layers to further engage your audience? Because people aren't, it's not like you're, you got people on the dance floor, you know, you know, m- mixing it up with different groups of people. I don't even know if it's allowed, but it's just like people are basically partying at their tables. So you create all these multiple mini parties and it leads to this collective energy. And if you let, and if you're able to have this little personal touch, like we did with those QR codes, then it's, it's a nice touch for the, for the customer experience in these places, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you said, I mean, obviously everybody's doing the same thing. We're all DJing or we're all doing something that everyone's doing, but it's like making pizza. Like there's a billion pizza shops, but for some reason that one place is the best. It's all going to have have sauce and it's all going to have cheese, but you know, exactly way better than others, you know? Right. So how are you for some reason making it different and bringing it out to them? Um, that that's really cool. And as far as, um, like, I don't know if you want to talk about this either, but the rates, like, do you have to change the rate to how much a DJ would charge or is it more because of the virtual? You have so much work or less or, you know, listen, it's, it's a touchy, 
subject yeah. you, both as somebody that's a DJ and and owns a company to book because yeah. I mean, you know, I got to look at it. It's like a trickle down effect. On unfortunately, some right. some places haven't aren't touching the rates, and some it's you got to expect it. You got to yeah. expect it because they For can't fill their rooms the same as they could before this. So if they're only able to operate at 50% occupancy, you know, it sucks, you know, I mean, right. but I get it if that, if that's what they need to do, you know, but I, I would never, you know, force any DJs to do anything they didn't feel comfortable with, you know, basic, you know, but you know, yeah. it's rough, but I do make sure that the dialogue with the venues is, has the tone of like, listen, the big picture here is we all want to get back to work. Let's do it. But, you know, I just want to make sure that as occupancy levels are allowed to increase and we're kind of back on crack again, then we have to get back to normal, normal rates. But like I said, I haven't found that uh, at all the all the spots. Some some are requesting, you know, some rate adjustments and some aren't. It's just yeah. you know, case by case. Yeah. And what 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 are the options for streaming? Like, I know that you know, Twitch has become the thing that DJs at home stream with, but there's no option for like a private um, thing. Are there like private servers that people can use or? There are a friend of mine out here that's a, you know, I've known him for years. He's an amazing like video guy, very technical guy. Um, uh, I'll even say his name because he's just uh, Casey Ray. He, he actually came up with a system, but you know what? Listen, it takes time. It takes money to develop this stuff. Yeah. And you know, I don't think, uh, you know, at the time, at least right now, some of these places aren't ready to uh, take on uh, an added expense. So, right. um, but uh, for, for this first weekend, we, we use Twitch. We, I just set up a whole new, um, a whole new account, just using basically numbers and letters, nothing that anybody can search for, or, you know, we kept it as private as possible. We did four hour sets, both Friday and Saturday, no issues whatsoever. Yeah. You know. Um, that's, and that's great. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, it worked. It worked great, man. Ran it through OBS, you know, sounded great, looked great, you know, did it right from the office. It was cool. Really cool. Do you see stuff like this, even when we do get back to normal, do you see things like this potentially being potentially still going, you know, like even if everybody wasn't worried about getting sick and we're all back out, maybe digital gigs would continue. Like if someone wants to book Mel star, at their pool party in Brentwood, but they don't want, he doesn't want to fly out or. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't see why not because I, right. I think the live streams should go too, because I yeah. think it just, like I said before, I think it creates a whole new way to market DJs, way to market venues. And I don't think it should go away. I think it's very cool. And I mean, spider, I mean, it's been beautiful. I only went live like once or twice, but like we could be DJs again and not have to dance around. Like we, we, yeah. when we go to these venues, there are, there are formats that we have to stick to. We have to give the people what they want, whether we like it or not, you know, and it was nice to like, you know, go on and play some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And have anybody be like, uh, you got to change this. It's like, <laughs> it's my stream, man. I'm, I'm going to fucking play B sides of, fucking you know gwen mccray records whatever the fuck you know whatever you want to do i know you know, and it's been fun it kind of it kind of it, it kind of made me fall back in love with djing not that i didn't not that i wasn't in love with it but it was just like this is why i got into it like playing music that you love and you know if people are if people are staying on your stream that means you're doing something you're connecting to them and they're enjoying what you're playing 
and you're not going to hear the peanut gallery and stuff like that. People have the, the option, the choice to sign off if they want to. Right. You know, it's, and, and to see my friends when I would go and check out their streams, just like, you know, glowing and just kind of having fun playing the music that, you know, they, yeah. they can do the most, you know, it's, it's amazing. I know. I think, yeah. And it's pushed us into this acceptance of digital stuff being used professionally in a way. You know, I think before this, everyone would be like, yeah, you could totally stream it, but no one would ever do it. You know, but the fact that you just did that this weekend successfully is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Cool. For example, someone wants to book Bobby Condors or something, but he has a gig in New York the next day, but they want him so bad that Saturday. Okay. He'll stream or, you know, I'm sure you could sure. figure out deals eventually. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's great. That's so cool. And people people basically have learned what they need equipment wise through this time. And I'm sure you could, you know, they there's YouTube tutorials, but yeah. standard. And you know what? I mean, you know, I you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. I, I only scratch the surface and I I, I use yeah. OBS at kind of a bare minimum. I mean, you can go pretty deep with that and stream labs and all that stuff, but I never right. got like the, the stuff for the IG stuff. What what was it like? Blue duck or yellow duck? Uh, yeah, yellow duck. Whatever the fuck. I, 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 yeah, I heard it's cool, but I just I didn't have to go there. So don't um, download blue duck. That's a whole different thing. No, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> that's like, a por that's a porno app. For yeah. um, <laughs> well, what about um, so that's like the virtual world. What about um, the real life world? Getting back into it, like you said, there are some people DJing. Um, is like what kind of precautions as far as, you know, you mentioned the mask that the clubs are like, you have to wear a mask. What other precautions did DJs have to take? And, and I guess the booker and even the club, like what are they doing? I, Cleaning down the I, equipment. Know, I mean, that I'm still trying, I'm still trying to process. I mean, we're, yeah. we're up and running at a very minimal percentage of what we were doing pre COVID. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, you think, is it an, do we say like, it's basically like an enter at your own risk, you know, do right. we say, do we have people sign waivers, you know, I don't ever want to put anybody in harm's way, you yeah. know, but I, when we started getting calls again to book stuff, I basically blasted out another email saying, listen, we're getting some calls, who's down to work, you know, um, and you know, the response was actually overwhelmingly and surprisingly, you know, ready to go. Wow. <laughs> well, plus, you know, plus the unemployment thing kind of adds another kind of challenge because yeah. that stimulus money is nice. Right. You know? you know, so a lot of people don't want to disrupt that or don't want to rock the boat on that front. So yeah. Cause once you go back, you're not getting that. Huh? Right. Once you go back and get a job, then you're not going to get that anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, so yeah. <laughs> that's crazy um i know i've seen i've wondered like what do you do you come and you just wipe i guess i'd wipe down all the equipment wear your mask yeah. hopefully people don't come in your face trying to make requests that's oh, gonna be the, take it easy. <laughs> as if it wasn't bad enough before like you really oh, don't want those drunk people yeah, coming up like, like yeah but now if I DJ, i'd be like stay away no requests i don't yeah. want to get you know i'm like i, I need that face shield people to, you know stay away from me i don't want to play your fucking yeah trap. I need the gas station black plexiglass. <laughs> I can't even hear you. Just slip it under. Slip it under the payment what area. You remember Get Smart? They used to have the cone of silence. <laughs> they would lower over their heads. <laughs> I need that. Just I, the, I, I know. I, so. Yeah, I'm going to DJ in one of those like big sumo wrestler things where you can just see out of it. 
yeah big or like that bubble diplo used to do the <laughs> yeah uh, crowd surfing yeah but only i wouldn't keep my head out uh, never no yeah. <laughs> yeah um oh man that's crazy um well and and as far as vegas reopening i mean well we discussed it before i mean you're happy about it i hope Hopefully people listen and they don't have to try to do some reclosure thing. You know, I think I hope so I, I, you know, I, I think that could be cause a lot more harm than good because I know. Closure would, I, I think, I don't think that would fare well at all. I, I mean, that's just, it's a concern, you know, cause I, and another concern was when we were getting ready to open was, and we were, we were speaking about the division that there's so much, people are so fucking divided right now. Right. You know? Okay, so now you're going to open doors. Everybody, no matter what your beliefs are, are going to come in. And now let's throw alcohol in the mix. And I was like, shit. But you know what? It's been an awkward energy, but it hasn't been. Um, it hasn't been kind of confrontational. It's it's kind of it's been it's been good. That's yeah. good. When I, when yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, alcohol is a huge part of Las Vegas, obviously. So. Yeah. Um, and I, that's what I always thought too, is like, I'm good with being sanitary during this time and making sure I check all the boxes. But if I was super drunk, I don't know if I'd remember like, Oh, I just uh, don't touch your face. You know, like I would just be all like, I don't know what happened last night. I hope I don't get sick in the next week or two. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I know. Um, you got to have like a designated, uh, person to help you wash your hands. You're like, Hey bro, you just touched yeah, something. Yeah, You need a designated, designated, like PPE representative in every group. <laughs> like, Oh yo, you just, you just touch that. Don't touch your hands. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That's yeah. nuts. Um, well, just so I can like fill people in on your history that might not know. Um, like I said, I'm in LA, you're in Vegas right now, but originally you're from the East coast. Um, from and you're you had you know a lot of history in the new york and new jersey club scene and dj scene and all that right yeah i, I, I was born and raised in bayonne new jersey and um always did like you know i think you know i saved up you know i think i was like 13 got my set of gemini belt drives and the gemini mixer with the amazing sound effects like the bombs dropping and all this shit and then and then did i dj'd whenever i could and right. then long story short, you know, I went to college. I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University in Teaneck and started DJing the pub there. And I started, you know, I was really into dancehall and reggae. So I started playing like some reggae sounds out of Patterson, New Jersey. And that was, that was my world. I mean, I, that was it. They called me Crazy Eddie. That was like all the Jamaicans called me Crazy Eddie. I would do, you know, we'd, we'd do parties. You know, that's how I, well... The whole Bobby Condis connect came. I met him at Rock and Soul Records, and then um, and then he was the first DJ I ever booked. I booked him and Jabba at Fairly Dick at FDU at the pub in like '95 or '96. Wow! And then um, then we started playing like parties in Patterson together. I was playing with this crew, this uh, sound called Bulletproof, and we played with like Stone Love and Addies and all this stuff and and Massive B. And then um, like '98. Uh, Went to New York, took some uh, ecstasy, and I got, I was still into reggae, but now, like, then I caught, like, the house bug heavy, and uh, started, I got my first residency in New York in uh, January of 98 at Jet Lounge in Soho, uh, and that was Andrew Sasson's place, so that, that was the place that laid the foundation for me to come to Vegas, because he, he was the owner of Light Group, him and Andy Massey, right, and, uh, 
you know, so from Jet Lounge in Manhattan, I did Jet East in the Hamptons with, and it was me and Neva too. So that's how I know Neva. I would scoop Neva up in Harlem every Friday. We'd drive to, to Southampton, go DJ Friday and Saturday, and head back. Wow, and, crazy. Shout to Neva from Road yeah. Podcast, yeah, DJ yeah. City fam. Yeah, and then that was it. And then I was managing restaurants, DJing on the side. I was a toll collector on the New Jersey Turnpike for a while. And oh, then wow. On one, one Friday, I got a call. Uh, it was about 10.30 in the morning. I'll never forget. I was opening up. I, I worked for Brooklyn's Pizza. It was like the Grimaldi's. You, you know Grimaldi's Pizza? So yeah. So I worked for like that family like, but, but before they franchised shit. Oh, wow. So um, Andrew called me at like 10.30 in the morning. He's like, Eddie, how are you, buddy? He's like, I need you, uh, I need you out here. I'm like, where? He's like, Vegas. I said, okay, wh when do you need me out there? He's like, tomorrow. I, I want you to DJ Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Can you do it? I said, well, I'll have to get my shifts covered. And I covered my shifts. He flew me out. I stayed, with his, I stayed at his apartment for the weekend. Played light at Bellagio Friday and Saturday. I mean, Saturday and Sunday. Monday, I went to the office. They offered me uh, every Friday and Saturday, every Saturday and Sunday. And then they got me a gig. They said, listen, and we'll get you a gig in another place, which wound up being Foundation Room. Um, and uh, I was like, fuck. I was a manager. I, like, I don't like leaving people hanging because I, yeah. I had such a good relationship with the restaurant. But I'm like, yo, do I want to fucking manage Brooklyn's Pizza or do I want to go and, you know, kind of help launch this this new night nightlife brand and work for Andrew? And, you know, so I commuted for a month and then um, uh, I'm, I moved out here second week of February of 2002. So I missed the first few weeks of light. And, uh, and then I did every Saturday and Sunday for several years. And then, um, then, you know, Jet and Hayes, the bank and Encore Beach Club and all that stuff and all the little, la all the lounges and all the restaurants. I, uh, you know, I started the, the corporate program position for Light Group. So I was with them for 14 years. Wow. That's amazing. It's crazy how your life can change. Like yeah. you just, just one little do you know, you're making a life changing decision, you know, yeah. like, well, should I go to the pizza spot or completely and set up my life? Forever? My boss was like, Eddie, he's like, you need to make a decision right now. Do you want to be some hotshot DJ in Las Vegas or do you want to manage Brooklyn's pizza? And I reached <laughs> in my pocket and I pulled out my keys to the restaurant. I said, thank you, John, for everything you've done, but I have to do this. So and that's what I did. So. I mean, if he puts it like that, I think you're going to Vegas. <laughs> like, yeah. you can always I, I come back and manage the pizza. Like, <laughs> you know what, John? Fuck Vegas. Look at this cheese. Throw I need to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Throw me the pie, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you could. All, I, I'm sure pizza will always be there. You could go. But back I'll tell you what, that guy, his name is John Grimaldi. I still talk to him to this day. We have the same birthday. He's he's a hard ass. And he, he's, he's tough, yeah. but it kind of, it, it thickened my skin because light group was even tougher and, you know, it helped the segue from, you know, micromanaging a pizzeria to fucking micromanage and a lot of, lot of, lot of abuse, a lot of, both ways though. Yeah. The reason why I lasted so long is because I, I gave it back too. And it was all, it was always love. We all wanted the same thing, but it was just so fucking intense and so stressful at times. And so aggressive but you right. know yeah i think a lot of people don't realize that there's a huge uh, <laughs> that there's a big um 
a group of New York people that have started a lot of things in Vegas. You know, a lot of the nightclub stuff is very it's East Coast based. House, Noah Teppenberg. I mean, yeah. he's a New Yorker, I believe. He's from Brooklyn. And a uh, lot of the big players in the game and a lot of the people who started it out are from New York. And as much people think, oh, it's a West Coast thing or DJs from L.A., it's, it is a New York and an East Coast vibe, which also plays into, like you said, the way people are – uh, the way places are run and everyone talks to each other and different things, it yeah. can be, you know, it's a cutthroat business in New York, but also in Vegas. I mean, I remember getting into it and uh, my some of my first gigs at Pure, um, you know, and AM was the resident. They brought me in and it was like Mark Ronson and AM and then I'm in here and the guy that was running that at the time... I don't think was known as the nicest person around. <laughs> I mean, I think people would be pulled off the decks by their neck, you know, and thrown out. I mean, I thought what's I, I was so nervous. Some of the nights going in there, like what's about to happen to me? Oh, bro. I mean, there were DJs that would have, you know, anxiety. Att- I, I started having them at one point where like, I'm like, is this a fucking a panic attack or an anxiety attack? Shortness of breath. Just, yeah, it was rough, and there was people that developed ulcers from working at these places, and it was all stress induced. You know, I mean, but listen, man, it thickens your fucking skin. You can't. Yeah. It, it teaches you don't to ever take anything personally, whether yeah. it whether you're getting some shit from a, a an operator or from a, a you know a, another staff member or or a patron. Yeah, it's not personal. You know, music is very subjective, and yeah. You know, but opinion. it's hard as a DJ. That's something I had to learn. I mean, it, even 10, 15 years after be, DJing, I still have moments where, oh, you take it so personally. It affects you so much that it you know, it, it distorts all of your other decisions and thoughts at the time. Because as DJs, we're so close to it. Like, it's who we are and, and all that. So then when someone we're says anything so bad, so- they're talking about you, not necessarily... Yeah. anything else so that's why it's so hard and you have to remember to be have that thick skin or be zen about it you know take the thing in and react a certain way otherwise if you react the wrong way well yeah well there's two ways not- to react you know there's, there's that expression shit rolls downhill and you can keep on you know so if it comes to you and you have anybody you know under you which i did at a, at a time when i was like kind of you know programming light group yeah you know, local djs but I let it stop with me and then you can, you kind of invert right. it into some more positivity because there's nothing, honestly, positive reinforcement goes such a long way, man. I and, know. you know, I mean the, the abuse and stuff, even though I would give it back at times because I knew how, I knew how I knew my boundaries with these guys. And, and, um, but I was like, it would cause, I was drinking a lot. Like I would, as soon as I would get to light, I was doing two shots of two, like double shots of Jaeger a wow. couple of beers, and then it was just, you know, it, it wasn't healthy. <laughs> I had I fucking a lot I of think, fun. I mean, a lot of DJs are in that in that point. Yeah. I, and same, I remember just get okay, the second I get to the spot, I need a shot, a beer, a thing, you know, and you, yeah. you have to get in that zone, and it becomes a habit, which is yeah. then later you look back at, like, maybe this isn't a good habit <laughs> to have. And, and it was weird because I didn't have to deal with the, the politics and shit. A little bit in the Hamptons, very, very little bit in the Hamptons. Yeah. Very little. But Vegas, it was a whole new ball game. So I, I moved to Vegas thinking, okay, they know what I do. They heard me play. I passed the test. So I'm just going to do me. And then yeah. 
Eddie, so-and-so wants to hear this. You got to play this. I'm like, fuck them. I'm like, fuck that. Because I was like, what is this? What is this all about? I don't give a fuck what that person wants to hear. Right. And then, you know, because it was just so new and it was just like, but, you know, then you start to see the big picture. Then then you start to kind of, you know, see the corporate side of it a little more and, and you realize that you didn't move to the most, you know, um, artistic you know, artistic place in the world, like where you can be edgy and, you know, especially on the strip, not that Vegas, you can't do that. You can do that in Vegas, but you know, on the strip. But even, I mean, you're talking 18 years ago too. So things are different. Yeah. You know, that was a little bit more PC. I think management styles have changed. I think for the better, obviously, I mean, we got the job done back then anyway, but it was out of fear of consequence rather than, you know, positive reinforcement and stuff like that. And just, you know, you know, so, but we survived it. We survived. That's crazy. So, I mean, that's, when did Vegas nightclubs start like that? I mean, that was probably, was that the first big nightclub light? Well, no, I mean, no, like, listen, you know, a lot of people forget about like what came before and what came before, you know, Hollywood's been around forever. DJ Frankie, ROB, those guys like really laid the foundation they were here before me. They were here before Light Group. Um, you know, as far as that style night nightlife and that kind of business model with the European bottle service, kind of elevated pricing. You know, at the time, I think it was maybe three fifty for a bottle of Goose or whatever. I, I don't even know something yeah. like that. But that insane pricing with the cocktail waitresses and gowns and like this European. They, Andrew used to call it European style bottle service. Light was the first. They sold bottles at other clubs for Studio 54 here and there, but it wasn't like this whole experience, you know, uh, to to the best of my knowledge. I mean, you know, but uh, yeah, I think, I think light and then, you know, light Tau group, you know, which was basically our sister company because Andrew came up with, um, you know, Jason and Noah from back in the Hamptons. When we were at Jet East, Jason and Noah had conscious point right down the road, um, five minutes down the road. And um, it was always that, close knit between light group and Tau group and um, you know, body English came along and pure and all this stuff. And it was big business, man. It still is. It's amazing yeah. what, how, where they bought nightlife to, because I was used to just like crackhead spots in New York, you know, hanging out until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, banging house music, everybody's rolling their balls off and stuff like that. And then they kind of made it a little sexier, you know? Right. And like, so in the beginning when you were doing that and you were 2002 to probably like, I don't know, a few years after that, is that when AM kind of came into the um, Vegas, yeah, I mean, Vegas club shoot, scene? I wish I had Shecky next to me. He's better, he's better with the timeline, but. I know he's going to come on eventually. We'll get some good stories, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. AM stories. But yeah, I know yeah. that like you've seen, I mean, I've seen you post flyers from back in the day that are like Stretch Armstrong and Mark oh. Ronson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that was, and that was and that was a shecky thing it was like game uh game oh, the, the hip-hop honeys game yeah, yeah. his game imprint was on that flyer as well and uh, for me it was my light group my light nightclub mix cd release party or some shit they spelled my name wrong on the fucking cd i was like cool uh and then you know and then we would have we started bringing some heavy hitters man we had ronson come in stretch came in am came in i think it had to be I want to say uh, maybe 2004, maybe. I don't know. I guess around there. And I don't know if you – have you ever been to Light at Bellagio? Um, I never went to Light at Bellagio, no. Not the old one, no. 
Yeah. So, you know, when we had AM, I, I, I opened for him um, at light and he, this is, he was, he was heavy at the time. Right. You know, and um, the DJ booth at light was like, I don't even know. It was probably six feet wide with a lighting guy next to you <laughs> and the amp rack in the DJ booth and we're playing vinyl. Oh God. <laughs> like, it was such close quarters, but AM came in and I would honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't super familiar with him. I right. didn't know a whole lot about the LA scene and stuff like that, even though he was a Philly guy and stuff, you know, um, I think, you know, um, everybody's like, Oh, you know, he was the DJ for, um, uh, uh, crazy town, crazy town. Right. <laughs> and see this guy, like I said, you know, you know, he was still heavy and he bought his vinyl in and, you know, we had, we had an MP 2016, a rain rotary in there. He's oh, like, wow. oh, he's like, this isn't going to work. You know, so <laughs> he, he hooked up in his um, 56 at the time and, uh, you know, through the, through the napkins in the, in the turntables, because the turntables were on suspension, they were on bands. Oh so, yeah. You know, like the old trick was you go to the bar, you get stacks of napkins and you, you shove them in every side of the turntable. I know. I and, hated the suspension thing. It was like the worst. Yeah. You'd push down, they'd go inside yeah, the table. Yeah, it, was, it was weird. And that one wasn't even that bad. Sometimes they would use like bicycle, like inner tubes for bicycles and you would touch it and it just starts wobbling. I was yeah. Like, and it would like be like, <laughs> you're floating in a river. But, uh, so he came in and I mean, blown away, doesn't even like do a do justice to, to, you know what i saw him do that night and, and vinyl just, and he's on he, vinyl he said god just chain smoking new port a new port hanging out of his mouth and he's on vinyl so he's you know he's there the lighting guy's there his records are there the amp rack is there and he's just like the cleanest like you know just the the creativity and like the wordplay he was using and just you know how fast he would be in and out of vinyl records and just effortless and just blew me the fuck away man and and um and uh and then you know and then after that you know he got his residencies you know he did the the pure residency the body english residency the uh the palms i believe he was at rain also i think he had a residency if i'm not mistaken yeah um but uh, you know unbelievable man um you know yeah. and we used to do like you know we used to do other guys you know we had like um who did we have in there we did pete rock in there we did oh wow you know they wanted me to pull pete rock that night you know? at light yeah yeah, and he's on vinyl too. And he's on vinyl, and that's you know this is, a, this is it's another great story. So he was booked. I didn't book him, but um, he was booked, and uh, it was like it was like an honor to be able to open for him. You know, right. so he comes in and he opens up with uh, two Big Daddy Kane records. I think he did Raw and Set It Off. I think were his first two records, and you know. We're all in the best. Shecky was there. I think Milo was Milo there. I don't remember. I think Hoff, Justin Hoffman and stuff. And we're all like geeking out behind the DJ booth. And then all of a sudden, like Andrew comes up, he's like, get him off. I said, not a chance. He's like, excuse me. I said, I am not pulling Pete Rock. He's like, who is he? I said, that's why I do what I do. And you do what you do. Do your research before you book somebody. I'm not pulling Pete Rock. And he's like, and he walks away. Like that was our relationship though. There was no, it was no bad blood. It was just constantly like this. I, I love Andrew, man. Yeah. No, um, he's a great, yeah, he's a great yeah. guy. You um, have to be a, a very definitive, intense person to run these kind of places, I think. He's insane. But I mean, I can be too at times, but he's, at the end of the day, there was love there, you know, but, but so, so 
I get back in the booth and I guess Pete Rock saw us kind of engaging. He's like, who's that guy? I said, it's the owner. He's like, what, what did he say? I said, he's, he didn't really know the first few records you played. He's like, so he's getting nervous and he asked me to go back on. I said, but I'm not going to do that. He's like, he's like, oh, he's like, I thought they wanted me to play an old school set. I said, I said, I don't know what they thought, but he's, he's kind of bugging out. He's like, all right, I'll do whatever. He's like, but I'm going to have to use your records. I said, all right. And at the time, the, re the record to be played was Usher, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's like, yo, he's like, just give me that record that keeps saying yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And I had doubles of it. For whatever reason, I don't know. But, oh, probably because I use instrumentals because I'm not, I don't do like, scratching and stuff. But um, so he just, he opened with that. The fucking place lit up. And he killed it on, my, on mostly all my records. And then Andrew comes back over and knocks on the glass. And he goes, he's like, gives me the thumbs up. Like, he's killing it. He's killing it. I'm like, I told you, motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we had, I mean, that was, that was a great club, man. Very simple, simple lighting system, solid sound system. John Lyons put in there and, and um, you know, no frills, man. A little dance floor. And we, had, we threw some fucking jams in there. Great talent. That's amazing. And, and now there's still a light nightclub uh, at Mandalay Bay. But he's not connected to that anymore, is he? No, but I mean, it comes from the same, you know, Andrew's yeah. not, but I mean, there, there still is a bridge because John Petty is running it. And I just spoke to John today. So, oh, wow. and, uh, yeah, so, um, and they're getting ready to reopen, uh, daylight, um, July 2nd too. I so, saw uh, that. I saw E-Rock, uh, post about that and some other people. So, yeah, yeah. So, that's, but, uh, that's yeah. good. I mean, the outside, that place is huge too. So they can have people spaced out. The DJ booth is so far from everyone. So yeah. unless, yeah. I mean, even they, though, they, well, unless they fucking jam pack the tables in the DJ booth with people. <laughs> no, but light, light's amazing. I mean, that, yeah, yeah, that was a collaborative effort between Light Group at the time and, uh, and Cirque du Soleil. So um, a lot of performances. But I thought, you know, from the stories I heard, you know, Light Group, you know, obviously said this is a nightclub with. Cirque du Soleil layered in, but the Cirque people were like, no, this is a performance space with a nightlife layer layered in. Right. So it's, but, you know, hey, they're still going and, you know, on, and, and, you know, they create a really, really cool club and Daylight's amazing too. Yeah. No, no, I love it. It's great there. Um, the whole, I mean, just looking at it from the outside is like so dope with the screens yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, and, and so how did you go from, coming out here be, coming out to vegas being the dj you know obviously you're you love music you love djing you're so engulfed in that um how did you then progress to i guess you know being the programmer of the clubs but then having your own agency uh mac agency yeah well my my friend uh old old friend of mine uh jason ojeda from uh -huh. new york he's a long island guy but he play, he, he was we had residencies in all the big spots in New York. Just amazing. He owns a company called Global Audio Systems now. And so he's crushing it on like the sound system and production and really good. So he said to me years ago, I, I would say at least 12, 13 years ago, he's like, dude, just start an agency. And at the time I'm DJing five nights a week. I was making great money. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. He's like, dude, you know, you're well connected and, you know, you know, just do it. And I'm like, okay. okay. And I kind of kept it in the back of my mind for a while and then you know with the djing i love it i always want to do it i got to the point where i said i just don't want to rely on it anymore you know a lot of the music was changing and i knew what i had to do and what i had to play to entertain people yeah. and i could have done it um i just it, it started feeling like work to me and i was i would start getting those kind of not anxiety attacks but going to work to dj started to feel like 
like a schlep to me. Yeah. Especially like six hour nights, five hour night, whatever. Right. Play music that I, I can sometimes tolerate, but I, I'm not really connected to it. Just when it starts to feel like work, I'm out. That's because that's not why I, I, I got into it. So right. I'm like, now's the time to kind of parlay it. I don't want to leave the industry because A, I love it. And B, I have a lot of years invested into it, but I have to be happy. Yeah. So I, I, so I, you know, I, uh, I just came up with the idea, like, you know, you know, if your last name is a Mick, like me, you're automatically a Mac, you know? So everybody called my dad, whose name is Eddie, who, who he passed away, but his dad, his, his name was Eddie McDonald too. And they always called him Eddie Mac. I'd go to him. He used to work at world trade center a lot. And uh, Eddie Mac, I'd go to work with him, Eddie Mac. So that's what, that's kind of what I was like. I was like, all right, I'm going to call myself Eddie Mac now because everybody calls me that anyway. So that's going to be my DJ name. But Mac, I'm like, okay, Music Artist Connection, Mac Agency. Okay, so fuck it. I said, I started the, I started the company. I started hustling here and there, but I was still DJing a lot. Yeah. So I wasn't focusing all the energy on, on the company yet. And then little by little, you know, start doing some stuff downtown you know, uh, reconnected with an old friend, Dave, David Rabin, who's just a New York legend in, in our industry, man. Just unbelievable guy. And, um, you know, he used to fight for New York nightlife when it was under attack by, by Bloomberg and by Giuliani and stuff like that. He sat at like these boards and, and, and fought for nightlife, you know? Yeah. And he's a great guy and he's got great concepts. And he opened up the Dorsey. I connected with him, started programming that place. That was my first like kind of big account to get the ball rolling and then it accumulated and lessened you know more and more i don't have to rely on djing as much and then um you know and then we really got a a bump when when sean christie came on board when uh, you know left win and went over to mgm yeah like that next day I, I i reached out to him and i said i'd like to you know you know chop it up with you for a while i want to book djs for you and you know sean and i you know have been working together together since early days of light group 2002 and I knew him from Boston you know he used to book my my best friend from New York Johnny Vicious and that's when I met Sean the first time so but um we always worked worked well together and and you know one thing led to another and he was just crushing it uh at MGM and just amazing concepts the collaboration uh with Houston Brothers for on the record just that fucking place I think made us all fall in love with DJ. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. No. Like that's like for guys like our age and like that to have like kind of our taste in music and our kind of depth in music. I'm like, what a fucking savior. Like yeah. and what a cool spot, man. Just yep. you can go to that club and put your fingers in your ears and still have a good time. But the yeah. fact that you had that backyard where it's just no holds barred, whatever your interpretation of throwbacks is, do it. Main room, a little bit of everything. Just, you know, obviously you're going to get all your current stuff, your Drake's and your Cardi, but the place was just so fucking cool. I was like, this is exactly where I want to be right now, you know? And, um, and then just all the subsequent um, uh, concepts, Mama Rabbit, Best Friend, Roy Choi. I mean, like, just what the fuck? Like, it, amazing, amazing. Mayfair, like, that was his last project that he worked on, and it was it, it's just crushing it. And open now again and, and doing very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so things really picked up when Sean when Sean came over, and and uh, you know, and really some of the probably late eight, late 2018 to, you know, obviously right before the shutdowns. I mean, some of my proudest months ever to be in this industry. So much fun, amazing.
met some amazing new people too. Just really fucking gratifying and fulfilling and rewarding, man. Whatever you want to call it, amazing. Yeah, I mean, just all the stuff you've been saying, like even from the early two thousands, where you did the shows with you know Stretch Armstrong and Mark Ronson and them, but up until like you said the past couple of years just at park mgm are so dope like i i i mean there was nights i got to do a show with anderson pack in oh, january i was one of that fucking room that was just energy you just it was just energy on top of energy and because you just ripped it and like so much anticipation for anderson but it didn't your energy that you created in that room it was just it just kept going and then right before we went on you started going into some like um, like lit and stuff like that. I think you were doing some like uh, some some rock stuff, and yeah. it's just everybody singing, and it was like the perfect segue into Anderson's kind of twenty minute show with the with the Free Nationals, and it was just it was epic. That was bro. yeah, that was so fun, and it and it was like you said, it was one of the most fun nights in Vegas I've had, and um, just to have that freedom in that in that place is so cool, um, and you know, and then. I think having someone like you, um, and then I know you work with some other people, but you're you have such great taste in music and DJs and all of it. So it's so cool that you're able to like we go to dinner at Best Friend and we see some amazing people DJing. Then we go over to Mama Rabbit and someone, and then we go up to On the Record. It's, it's like it's like there. DJ Paradise, you know? Like, it's insane! It's insane! And then like. You know, I mean, listen, it was it was always a collaborative effort. Our programming meetings, you know, shout out to Pierce. You know, it was so great to reconnect with Pierce Cleveland. Yeah, huge shout to Pierce. He's the man. Great dude. And met some good new people. You know, Zach Jukel. Got to reconnect yeah. with Brian. Just Alex Ennis. Just the whole team was dope. But, like, 2019, we opened up a club. And, like, opening weekend, you know, to launch Locals Night, we had Mel Star in the backyard. We had Norting by Nature. We booked KRS-One three times. We did Big Daddy Kane, Red Man Method Man, Ed Anderson Park twice, Big Boy, fucking Black Sheep. You know, we had Jazzy Jeff make his return, which the story there was just so amazing because his last time before that, really, that everybody, you know, talks about was the whole thing for that AM tribute at, at Surrender and – you know, it, it, it was kind of like oh, this, where he got pulled this, off towards, towards Vegas, which rightfully so. And, you know, and Sean at the time was involved with, with surrender and everything came full circle circle. And then, you know, we'd book all these, all these other acts and it'd be like, everybody's like waiting when we're going to announce Jazzy Jeff. Like, okay, you got stretch, you're doing Mel star, you're doing, you did Clark Kent, you're doing all these guys. Where's Jeff scratch bastard, you know, where's Jeff. And we, fucking lock Jeff in and then what you know what made it so rewarding was you know Vegas is like is always a uh, a necessary market that you need to have a presence in you know it's just the the biggest nightlife market in the country you know what yeah. I mean um so to have like a guy like Questlove who also is very opinionated very you know music kind of you know ge just genius to be able to come in and then they would go on Instagram. We never asked them to do any of it. And they post these like just kind words like, you know, you know, Quest did a really great one. But then like the Jeff one was like just amazing because he's like, you know what? Everybody knows that I've had my issues with Vegas in the past. He's like, so it took, a, it took some long thinking to, you know, see if I wanted to return. I returned. I'm glad it did. I'm glad I did. This, this spot on the record is uh, – is doing it the right way and it's like oh and and like premiere did the same thing like we yeah. had nights with primo like 
fuck, man, it's just amazing. It was it was like a dream come true for any DJ, and to be involved like on the back, you know, on the back end of all that was going on there was amazing, amazing, amazing. That's so dope, and it just shows that like you know people that are like, oh, I'm just gonna DJ for a while and then be out of it. Like, there's so much, there's infinite growth within all of this, and you can utilize your experience um, as that you've had from all the music and everything to then go into other jobs in the future. And I'm sure even everyone being stuck at home for the past three months has given a lot of DJs time to reflect on like, how long am I going to do this? Should I go into something else? Is there other avenues, you know? So I think it's probably inspirational for other DJs to see you doing that. And then you being able to, Cause it's not like you got a job in Vegas and you have to book people you hate and you hate your life and you go home and you're like, no, I'm going to listen to tribe called quest. You know, you get to make shit happen. Like for real. It's like, you love this music and you can book this music. Yeah. You, know? you can like, get them paid, get those people money. They get to live their life and continue producing. The creative release is happening at the venue, which like, you know, I, I, you know, there was a lot of times where it wasn't, it was like, okay, this is work. This is how I'm paying my bills. When I go home, I'm going to listen to, you know, you know, Dennis Brown records, you know, and that's yeah. gonna get my head straight, you know what I mean? Or something like that. But now it's just like, you know, OTR and, and, you know, and I think honestly, and it's, I, I gotta say, I'm saying this as somebody that yeah was involved with, is involved with OTR, but you know, was involved with kind of the, you know, um, the, the image and what people expect, you know, that's why, you know, Sean, you know, front loaded the programming there to kind of say, this is who we are. That's why, you know, I, you know, um, we worked on that Ronson deal. We got Ronson in there, Primo and stuff like that. This is what we are. And then I think uh, Scratch Bastard, I think we booked maybe April. I forget the date. And I think that was like the last kind of, you know, money booking that we that we did for a while. And then really we reverted back to 90% locally programmed DJs. One DJ in the main room, one DJ on the bus, you know, a, de- yeah. a good local rate to be, to pay them. Yeah. And you know what? People still came because you could sell the venue too. Right. It's a fun place to be in. You can go sing karaoke, go into the speakeasy, backyard, main room. Everything's fun. Tons of stuff for Instagram content if that's your thing. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I really got to tell you, man, I think on the record is going to be the template or damn near close to the template of what nightlife is going to look like on the flip side. I think it's going to be a lot more, you know, um, locally, lo- you know, locally programmed stuff, but sell the venues again, sell the venue again. I think, I think there, there's going to be a return of like um, boutique nightclubs slash ultra lounges and stuff like that. Like, like taboo, like blush and stuff like that, you know, um, yeah. but, but it will be here and it's going to, it's going to be strong. I can't, I can't wait to see where it, where it goes. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, in a way, yeah, they, they're going to have to restart from those small places. And even how I see they're doing it at some of these pool venues where they're, it's still a lounge, but they're opening it sort of, you know, I've seen some of these places, the marquees and the Encore Beach Clubs, you know, like they're not open, but they are open kind of. And everyone's testing the waters pun, you know, I guess they're pools, but like it's everyone's trying to see what's happening. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to be. So at the forefront because you don't know what the bad things that could happen. But um but yeah, I'm super excited to see where things go. I mean, human beings are so creative. You know, we're going to adapt to whatever happens. So 
Um, if this thing, if there does become some vaccine where it can go away, sure. But this shit might not go away. We might just have to adapt to life, you know, in a way. So we're gonna just do it, I guess. Yeah, you know? I don't know what to think. I change my I, I, I change my thoughts on this whole shit every other every other day. I know. Okay, no, yeah, this and that, you know. But we're we're, we're gonna be good. We're very resilient. Um, um, yeah, very resilient industry. Vegas, in particular, very resilient market. Um, and just humans will figure it out. Who are some of the DJs that you work with? Um, on your agency i know we mentioned mel star bobby condors they're like east coast and then i know you have people in vegas um from like g squared steve wonder mighty my yeah of course exodus like but like we you know and then you know we're working with you know bella fiasco we work with yeah. you know brooklyn soxy and i her and i met um you know through me booking her and stuff like that and and that grew into you know she just moved in with me for the first time hey <laughs> <laughs> congrats yeah. she's and, super cool dope dj great yeah. person great. yeah yeah um you know even in la zoe i mean like zoe I, and yeah. i connected with zoe through roy Choi. Um, oh yeah because roy's really uh, plays an integral role in the musical kind of identity of his restaurant and just his brand right and so he listed some some djs that he wanted out here and zoe zoe just he's he's a beast man and so oh uh, yeah uh, and and Mel just some of the most legendary sets and legendary nights I've ever had and and this is you know twenty five years of going out and working in the industry and stuff and then this just happened like last year like I, I had one of like some of the best nights like Mel's on the fucking bus and he's got these he's just known for having these edits and these just and he doesn't like he he keeps it like old school like he doesn't fucking share you know what I mean which is good. Yeah, we put these homogenized fucking music collections and like right, and this was one of his sets. I think we had Drez in town from Black Sheep and Jason Ojeda, who's my friend from New York, that told me to start the agency years ago. He was there. Scribble was in town, and shout out to Scribble. Scribble's another guy we worked with. Um, oh yeah, a friend for decades, you know. And um, what yeah. you um, and that was just putting on a fucking clinic, taking it in every direction from, you know, hip, from Slick Rick to Cerrone, Supernature to fucking, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Tom Brown and just everything, but all, but ways that you've never heard these records before. Yeah. And then I remember, um, you know, so we're all going crazy in the backyard and then the next, that was on a Friday and then Primo was scheduled to play the next night uh, on, I think it was January 18th. Saturday the 18th. And then okay. all of a sudden Primo shows up in the backyard. He came in a day early and, I'm, and I had never met him before, but I went up to him. I was like half in the bag. I was like, I was like, Oh, you came in a day early. He's like, yo, who's that DJ? <laughs> I said, it's Mel Star. He's like, that's what I thought. And then he was, he was, he was having a good time. It was just, just amazing, amazing nights. It's like having like a do over, uh, you know, every night back there in the backyard, like just, you get to be creative again and and, and play, that kind of music to a crowd that's receptive to it. And then, yeah, that's the thing. That's the, one of the big key things is that the crowd is receptive to it. You know, some places you have people like, listen, I brought you in cause I want you to do your thing and you appreciate it. And the management is really cool, but then everyone hates you, you know, and you're like, yo, you got to get the right crowd in here for that too. The fact that the crowd is so receptive, they're dancing, they're creating circles. They're, they're coming up to the booth basically just to say, that was dope instead of like 
we're leaving. Play this <laughs> whack song. The thing is, is if you want new music, like that's what's great is like it's it, you know it has like that, you know, like in New York you'd always have like the the ma the main room and then like the library where like the tunnel. Yes. You know, house music in the main room, and you could go down into the library, and Milo would be playing, or Riz and Scissorhands, or something. And then you're, they're playing dance hall and reggae and R and B, and we're doing that. So if you want to hear Drake, we're not saying you're not going to hear it. You're just yeah. not going to do it out here. So go to the main room, and it's all good. But like, there's nights I would. I, I remember I was playing like Jocelyn Brown, somebody else's guy, and there was a group of girls who knew every word to it. I never thought I'd see it. I never thought I'd see it in Vegas. Amazing. That is so, so cool. Yeah, man. Cool. I know. And, I mean, and like you said, the way they front loaded it and just like right off the bat, it was an explosion of like Questlove, Mark Ronson, all this stuff. It's like, okay, this is what this spot is. Yeah. And we even did like a good EDC party with uh, Insomniac and we did Claude Von Stroke and that was a fucking jam. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Even at Gemma, I mean, you're booking dope people. That guy Folamore, I know you had on deck. Oh, well, yeah. That's that bummed me out because I had him booked. I, I, I pushed for that because. I mean, we talk about that boiler room yeah. set, you and I, and so it's just dope. like, this is it. His crowd, he's got 20-something-year-olds going nuts, and he's playing world music, like African funk and fucking ABBA, and just and his energy is just so fun and engaging to watch. And I'm like, that's fucking Gemma. Come on, man. I and, uh, and, and after several attempts, I finally got it approved, and, uh, and then – they pulled the plug, uh, you know, on everything <laughs> on the planet, the <laughs> you <know>? planet. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I booked masters of work there, man. That was the first time masters of work ever played in, in Vegas. And I, I did that. I did that deal. And I was, that was, that was very rewarding too. And Mel was out there for that. And it was just like, what? and then like after that show, I'm like, we went to, we went to Italy, me, Kenny dope, Louis Vega and Mel star sat, ate pizza well mine didn't have cheese on it for obvious reasons and and, <laughs> and talked about music and we're on like discogs like saying oh no remember this i'm like what the fuck man that's legendary um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool yeah. that's unbelievable and so like you said we're still going through this stuff and trying to come back into it but um i guess from the dj booker perspective um if you could speak to like djs that are stuck at home or trying to get jobs like what should they be doing right now to in like right now or even in general to get in a position to get bookings again or to work with people like you like you know i know a lot of djs listening are like up and coming and they're like oh i want a booking agent or i want to work with someone like that what kind of things would they do to be in a position to work with you or what do you look for like that um you know i mean I like working with DJs of with substance. I don't want gimmicky DJs. I'm not you. I'm not too big on like the fake followers and stuff like that. And even though I'm not going to ask that and be that, that that bold, there's ways to find out. Very easy ways to find out. I, I just like substance, man. Yeah, I like a DJ that um, even though you don't have to play like throwbacks and all these eclectic genres, knowing that stuff brings a certain kind of style to your, to your sets. And, um, I just like real people. I like real people, you know, I mean, real, real, real DJ, real people first and well-rounded DJs that think outside the box sometimes that are, you know, that want to take an organic approach to building their brand that aren't trying to fucking take any shortcuts and shit like that. You know, that's a turnoff to me, plain and simple. Right. 
you know, yeah. um, but it's not a turnoff to everybody. So where you might not have opportunity with Mac agency, there might be another agency that, you know, will, will take you in, which is fine to each his own. Um, but listen, there's There's going to be plenty of work to be had. I, I'm like I said, my optimism is still very, very high and it hasn't, it hasn't dwindled one bit over the last several months. Man. So the work will come back, but you know, in the meantime, I, I'm hoping everybody got that PUA money coming in. You know what I mean? Because it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's much needed for gig workers, you know, which I, and I'm glad that it's a thing. And I'm glad that, you know, that stimulus money, you know, sweetened the pot a little bit, you know. Right. But, it's all, you know, but it, you know, and I know they're trying to push to extend it. But it's just like it's that that stimulus money that's making it difficult to say, OK, if I was if I was offered a gig, do I want to even want to take it? I don't really want to stir the pot. I don't want to jeopardize right. anything because it's it's good money. And, you know, uh, but, you know, take advantage of these um, programs set up for us, because this is the first time they've really come around for 1099 people, for gig workers, DJs, you know, entertainers yeah. like that. So it, it, it's cool. Um, but yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I'm certain. Yeah, for sure. And I think like you said, just this is a good time to really look inside yourself and become or be who you are or want to be. You know, like you don't have to go in a club and pretend like you like certain music. You can go online and be who you want to be and DJ and build your crowd like that. And yeah. um, even discover things about yourself, you know, um, by playing certain kinds of music for people online. Yeah. Um, now's the time. One, one other thing I could, I could say to like DJs that want to like start working with it, like, you know, an, an important element of being a DJ or an important aspect of being a DJ is like, if you fall in love with the music, you say, I love hip hop, then love hip hop. If you're, if you're 22 years old, 25 years old, you don't have to just start from where the music is right now. Go back, yeah. learn about it. Like it really, it, it does improve your DJ, um, performance it does yeah like and but and and when you don't do that especially with all the resources that are available right in your pocket in your smartphone yep. you don't have to go and you know do all this you know arduous fucking hunting down of this and researching that and it's, everything's right there like if, if you truly love hip-hop or you truly love reggae and stuff like that house Learn about, you know, start knowing about disco. You know who I, and I got to, and I got to shout him out because I'm just so impressed. He's, he's just a great dude and just, you know, blows me away as a DJ and as a, as a, as a producer and remixer is Nick Bike. Oh, you know? yeah. I love it because he's a, he's a, he's a younger dude and he's just, he just fucking gets it, man. You know what I mean? He's, yes. um, you know, his shit is legit, man. And he's, yeah, a, he's not, he's yeah. genreless. He puts in endless work for the culture uh, just to do it you know and like he has good taste no matter what the genre is his edit packs when he says it to me it could be the crazy you know a crazy trap song an old school funk song a hip-hop you know he puts he really gets it like you said I got, I got the dj when i'm downtown i did uh cricket's playhouse uh shout out to cricket who, who's i'm such a fucking fan she's just yeah. amazing she's great um, and, and she's she my does. neighbor now. I live literally across the street from her now. Oh, it's, really? Yeah. So she had me come. She wanted me to come in and do like a, a, a throwback uh, dance hall set. So, uh, you know, so I was like, all right, yeah, you don't have to fucking ask me twice. Yeah. And Nick was on, Nick was on the bill and we, we chopped it up before and then I play, and I got to see him play and I'm like, he just fucking works and it's, it's fucking fun to watch him play and 
real real big fan real big he's fan. a good dude yeah i got to meet up with him in person in september we were both in toronto and i was like oh let's just meet up just for coffee or something you know before i flew back to la just to kind of catch up got to get him on this show actually that's a yeah. good reminder yeah um he i'm sure he has a lot of a good perspective and a lot of stuff to say um yeah and cricket's playhouse she does um uh our boy adam aka pretty done he does all the artwork Oh, yeah. for her stuff as well as tons of stuff around vegas now and um yeah I and mean, we did we and you know not too obviously i'm a i'm a huge on the record fanboy but uh but so you know we, we, and we were doing stuff uh we would do a concept with them at on the record too called uh sound and um oh my god i'm, I'm embarrassed yeah I'll, we, we can cut this part <laughs> <laughs> no what was it not sound sound, sound, sound and color sound and color yeah i was gonna say sound and vision but that's yeah, like yeah. david, david <laughs> bowie and, and, and it was just this you know this collaborative effort between pretty done which is adam who not only is he amazing or uh you know visual artist but you know amazing dj great guy um cricket mp art is her host and mc and he's just just great you just gravitate to his energy he's a great guy and you know um yeah so yeah that's so, dope is there any other yeah is is, is, is a, it's a it's a fucking jam it's a fucking jam man yeah goes and shit it's art it's fashion it's music and it's just vibes and it's just a beautiful group of people that she that she assembles for all of her venues and then a lot of times whenever there's cricket's playhouse upstairs they do um, let's be friends, which is Tim Tones' uh, uh, party that he does. So that's a, that's a good time as well. Shout oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Um, and um, are you? Um, well, do you have any advice for like uh, up and coming DJs? You know that are like trying to get in the game. I guess not necessarily to get bookings from you, but I mean, you know, I feel like you, you touched on it, just be authentic and do things for the right reasons. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's so important to me, man. I mean, don't, if you want to do it, do it for the right reasons. I mean, not everybody's gonna, some people just want, you know, their name on a, on a, on a flyer right. or right. whatever. I get it. That's always, it's always been the case. I think it's kind of over amplified now in the age of like social media, you know, yeah. cause now you have this platform that's very easy to acquire, but like, right. Like, fucking do it the right way you know crawl before you walk you yeah. know um build an organic following and and on the flip and i'm going to say it to the to to the venues and the marketing directors do your due diligence too and don't book people based on a number on their on their instagram without knowing if it's real or if it's fake book fucking talented people and don't take shortcuts not as a marketing director and not as a dj Build an organic following, build a brand, be true. If you truly want to be a DJ, do it the fucking right way. You know, it's unfortunate that we're, we're in a post record shopping kind of post vinyl, you know, era of DJing, which is fine. Like we roll with it. We, we, we kind of grab, we assimilate or whatever we say, we evolve to whatever the technology is, whatever. But, you know, you know, record shopping was a was a was one of the most enjoyable parts of being a DJ. It was a social experience. It was a thrill of hunting down tangible music and shit like that. That's not there. You could still record shop, but you don't have to have a record collection to be a DJ. Right. So at least, at the very least, just go about it the right way. Have integrity. If you if you love a certain style of music, learn about it. 
fall even deeper in love with it. You can get lost in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you a better DJ, I think. And, um, you know, like this is this reset button, I think, was much needed. You know, um, it's, un, you know, it's unfortunate it's a, a pandemic, you know, but, you know, right. now it's the time for, I think, you know, it gives people a t- some time to reflect on how they want to get back in the game, um, why they got into this in the first place. And, um, and, um, and, you know, to the DJs that want to get started and to the younger guys, take this opportunity to do some research, build a dope record collection. Even if you don't play it, just fucking know, learn about it. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, because then if you, if you decide you want to get in the studio, you, you know, you don't, you know, it opens up, it broadens your palate so much to do all this cool shit. Yeah. Look at, you know, like, you know, look at the Nick bikes of the world who just fucking get it. And just, you know, you're going to hear like some of the mashups and the edits that he does. It's just, that's it, man. I mean, he, you know, he, he, you know, makes me proud to be a DJ again because it's like, there are still, there's still people that are, that are, that are blowing up that, that, you know, are doing it for the right reasons. Cause you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, everybody that came after our generation wasn't because that's fucking bullshit. But yeah, the people that do want to get into it, that's the way, that's the way I think you should do it, you know, with totally. Integrity. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Keep your integrity, do it for the right reasons and, um, and, and go and explore like, you know, flow with your creativity and your curiosity of like the music and, and the the passion of DJing, whether you want to take get into scratching or not. I mean, so take chances. It's, it's hard, someday, but yeah. I, I think it was harder in probably our era coming up, like in, in Vegas, because you're constantly looking over your shoulder, like, oh my God, am I going to get screamed at if I play this? Yeah. There was a place, and I, I'm not going to mention where, or, and I'm not going to mention the name involved, but I went to go see you play, I think when I first moved back to Vegas in 2014. Yeah. Uh, the place isn't open anymore, but, and I'm hanging on the stage with you and like, Dude, like, comes up. He worked there. He's like, oh, I need you to do this. And you drop this. And when he says this, drop it out. And then I'm going to say this. And then I need you to do this. And then I'm like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I said, bro, who is that? Oh, it's the, uh, you know, whatever, the mood director, whatever it is. And it's, uh, yeah. I'm like, damn, man. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that was exhausting. Again, I had an anxiety attack. And you rolled with it because you're a fucking pro. And you're, you know, and you yeah. had a good fucking night. But I was just like, damn. You know, but no, uh, I know it's it's a lot. I know I had Z Trip Cub and, and like I was in L.A. one night doing the spot. I don't know what it was, Nightingale or something. And same thing. It was like the confetti goes off. Then you got to shout out the girl whose dad owns the F1 car race. And then she says this and you got to play the national anthem of her boyfriend's country. And then, you know, f- put the flag above your head eight times and then do a headstand. You know, like. Oh, and, God, yeah. The, 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 yeah. It and was just spraying like- confetti. And then it's going. And then I'm using needles, of course, because I'm old school. And then so it's going on the thing. And, then, and I remember Z Trip like yo how are you doing this you know like he, he told me the story again years later and i'm like i didn't realize it was that crazy until you told it back to me but he's like yeah. it looks like you were flying like a 747 you're handling everything it's like, i'm like holy shit and yeah, we're supposed I mean, to think it, about it, music you know you know all good i mean whatever i mean there's a lot listen yeah. there's a lot of money involved people want to stroke the fucking egos and stuff like that it's yeah very well it comes from 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 the beginning where you said european bottle service light nightclub 
ca- a different a different way of catering and in the same way you wanted to be like fuck you we're doing this and they were like hey there's a bigger picture here that was the the seeds of it and then it's you're right grown into in the most insane hospitality business where they want to serve everything you know and it was, it was, and it was it was awkward for me because i i did have a de- like i wanted to do more with djing than do like this kind of choreographed like do this and then this one's here so play for this person and fuck the like even like dance floor would be rocking it's like no but so and so wants to hear blah 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 i'm like I don't right. give a fuck about him. I care about these. And then you, then eventually you start to learn more. You get to, you know, educate yourself more and learn more about what the model is, you know? And it's like, okay. Right. It's They're like, a- listen, this guy, Don was- motherfucking Johnson or whatever. He needs to. <laughs> Don motherfucking Johnson. <laughs> you know? they're, they're like, Don Johnson's coming through. I'm like, who the like. I'm like the guy from Miami Vice. They're like, no, this guy's Don Motherfucking Johnson. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's like his name. They're like, yeah, you'll see. And then they literally hold up signs with his name, Don Motherfucking Johnson. Who? I, I mean, I, I, I always liked him, and he yeah. would always be very generous. I mean, but yes, you know, thank you. He always wanted Bon Jovi. Always wanted Bon Jovi. Was that, remember the infamous uh, the Dead Mouse story from uh, I think Excess when they were, oh, yeah. you know, pain. yeah. And now it's X amount of money to play Bon Jovi. And- yeah. Well, just to give people reference, like the beginning of uh, like the win was the start of the between win um, and their excess nightclub and and Cosmo and the, the Tau Group's marquee. It became the EDM booking thing where people were getting paid such enormous prices to DJ yeah. and Dead Mouse. I think was getting paid more than anyone has ever gotten paid to, to DJ at excess. And he obviously has a somewhat of a pre-planned set and Don motherfucker Johnson wants to hear living on a prayer Bon Jovi <laughs> and supposedly paid him some in- insane amount of money. Right. Yeah. The yeah. numbers went all up. People were like, "It's the stories this. out there." If anybody wanted to dig a little deeper, without a, without us kind of like, yeah, we don't know. I wasn't in the transaction, but he yeah. paid him, and and he, you know, Dead Mouse played the Bon Jovi song. Oh no, he did play it. That's right. And then he claims he didn't get paid. He didn't get paid for it <laughs> or something. I guess we got to yeah. look up whoever wrote down the story. But yeah, I mean, um, there'd be a lot of people like that. I mean, I had so many experiences you know from being at the win or wherever they'd be like this woman owns everything in macau you know wants fifty thousand dollars worth of champagne on stage and to be sprayed in every way you know i was like okay let's do like it. what do you want your bottles brought out to oh we want to do the rocky theme we want to do this national anthem like you were saying before yeah. it was just like, it's all good it's just kind of i i i, I just kind of i just didn't have it. I, I remember doing a spot in Vegas where they were like, Conor McGregor is coming in. You need to play the Irish national anthem. And I go, what are you, what is that? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, you can't just tell me to play a made well, up I have thing. A folder, national anthems. Oh, which one? Oh, Irish? Yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Got it. Also, who in a nightclub has ever wanted to hear a national anthem? You know, like. You go maniacs. That's it, you know. <laughs> I think I played like dun 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 and they were all like yes yes Siberian orchestra version of their national anthem. I know, and this is pre like streaming. I'm downloading on iTunes, like paying you know a dollar twenty nine for some weird song. Yeah, and then they're like, "What was that? That wasn't even good." I'm like, "You told me to do it." Yeah, there's a lot a lot of micromanaging in the club. Yeah, yeah, in Vegas. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping this reset button kind of, yeah, know, this is some, some egos and kind of gets us back to just a good time for all, a collective energy, not focus on just one person, you yeah. know, um, you know, um, and then listen, it's very valuable time that we've never had, whether you want to, you spend more time with your family, yeah. spend more time with your craft, whatever. But, um, you know, every, every, everything has a silver lining. Even yeah. That's so true. Um, nice. Well, you've told us so much. Thank you for, for all the insights and stories and stuff. Um, is there anything else you want to, um, promote or that you're doing or your company's doing or, well, I mean, we're just going to keep on coming up with cool ideas. Um, we, we, we try and approach what we do as, uh, you know, a little bit differently than everybody. Just, yeah. kinda, you know, as, as somebody that always had a one foot in the corporate end of things. Not always, but, you know, um, right. you know, just trying to push the envelope. And this is kind of kicking our creative ju juices into gear um, on how to roll with this situation that we're in. And, and so far, it's been good. And look for more cool things that we're doing and some new artists and we're we'll see you when uh when you get back to vegas <laughs> see you when you get back to vegas all right eddie mack of yeah, the mac agency thank you Pleasure, man thank you and you know and, and and i just gotta commend you you know we know each other a long time you've always been a a, a real dude and with integrity who who i'm a fan of as a human and as, and as a dj and and you know thank you and i'm glad in the last and the last time i had the privilege of seeing you dj was just one of the best fucking nights that i've had in a nightclub so yeah dude that means so much to me thank you and i feel the same way you know mad respect for everything you've done from everything you told us from this up until now and and going forward i'm excited to keep keep in keep in touch work together and all that stuff so stay right. safe out there and uh eddie mac we will talk to you soon all right peace the 20 podcast is brought to you by beat source join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to djs peace and that was the 20 with dj spider